1: says, I've made myself a servant to all men so that I might win some for Christ. I serve all men. This is applying the principles of God's word correctly. He's denying himself. He's picking up his cross. He's following Christ. Are you willing to give up your rights that you don't cause someone to stumble? Are you like Timothy, willing to give up your liberty for the sake of love? Wow. What are you willing to do that people would be drawn to
0: Christ. Pastor Dave will be telling you today about many people who sacrificed for the kingdom of God. Paul and Timothy gave up a lot to share the word of God in numerous countries. Jesus, too, gave up the comfort of heaven to live among people and die on a cross. What are you willing to do to bring people to Christ? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 16 as he continues his message, applying the principles of God's word. You are sure.
1: But I think the reactions that we have towards the Word of God might be based on how we receive the Word of God. How do you receive the Word of God? How do you receive the Word of God? Do you believe that the Word of God is indeed inspired by the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that the Word of God is inerrant? Do you believe that it's infallible? Do you believe that it is indeed the true Word of God? Then... You should be moved to obey it when you read it. It all depends on how you receive it. You remember what Paul said to the church of Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13? For this reason we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively also works in you who believe. Paul is declaring that here that the Word of God, when received as it is, the actual Word of God, it will do the work in you that it's supposed to do. Something will begin to happen in your life. A change will come over you, a metamorphosis, if you will. It will, transformation. And this change will begin to be noticeable to those around you. They will see this change, and they will notice it. So we see that the accurate application and interpretation of the Scriptures is extremely important to the Christian. Reading and studying God's Word can only be as valuable as it is when we apply it in our lives. Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul knew this. I mean, that's all. He studied under the great Gamaliel, the Old Testament Scriptures. He spent three years being taught by our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. He spent three years knowing God's Word. He knew how to take the principles of God and apply them to life. He knew when it was to stand firm. Doctrinal issues. Issues of doctrine. He knew when to stand firm. And he knew when to yield. He knew when to yield. Apostle Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he relied upon the Holy Spirit to guide him in all matters, especially the application of God's Word. As we look at our text this morning, these five verses, we see Paul correctly applying God's Word with confidence, as a wise spiritual leader should, he replied God's word with confidence. In our opening verses, we see the new dream team. Paul and Silas now, no longer Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and Silas, the new dream team. They're going back to Derby and Lystra. We read this in verses one and two. Then he came to Derby and Lystra and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. You know, one thing that definitely stands out with me about Paul is his total lack of fear, his total lack of concern for his own life. Does anybody remember chapter 14, what happened to Paul in Lystra? Oh, they loved him so much that they stoned him and drug him out of the city and left him for dead. Paul says, hey, let's go back to Lystra. What? Wait a minute, Paul, we got to We got to talk. Do you remember what they did to you back there? Well, see, God has a plan. God had this wonderful, wonderful plan because there was somebody waiting for Paul at Lystra. There was somebody waiting for him, a young man. A young man who the Holy Spirit had raised up. The Holy Spirit had dealt with this young man and had led him in there. And Paul knew God's word. Paul knew what the scriptures said. The writer of Hebrews In 13, verse 5 and 6 says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content for such things as you have, for he himself, he's talking about our Lord, has said, I will never leave nor forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That last part was not New Testament writing at all. It was written by David in Psalm 118, verse 6. Paul knew the Scriptures, he applied them correctly, and with confidence he says, we're going back to Lystra. We're going back to Lystra. Wow. See, my confidence cannot be in my own ability. Certainly not in my knowledge or my intelligence. Some of you know me. Maybe not in my good looks. My confidence must be in the Lord. My confidence must be in the Lord in every situation. Not my ability his ability. Not my strength, his strength. This is the confidence that Paul had. When he arrives in Lystra, Paul finds out that all the efforts of his last journey, the stoning, the bruising, the belittling, the dragging out of the city, being left for dead, was not in vain. It was not in vain. You know, most scholars believe that five years had passed since they had visited Lystra. Well, it seems like just a couple pages. Well, it, but they said five years had passed since they had been at Lystra. Paul goes back. They're there. During those five years, the Holy Spirit was at work. The Holy Spirit was working in the heart of a young man named Timothy, making a disciple. When Paul was stoned, when he was drugged out of the city, and when he was left for dead, did Timothy see this? Did Timothy witness the stoning of Paul, just like Paul witnessed the stoning of Stephen, remember? And did it have that kind of effect on Timothy? But Timothy was there. When Paul saw Timothy, his heart must have soared. His heart must have leaped for joy again. The principle of God is applied. Listen to this principle, and it 's in isaiah fifty five verse eleven So shall my words go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish that what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which i 've sent it. All you out there, all of you, brethren, brothers and sisters. Every time you're speaking to someone about Jesus Christ, every time you're witnessing about Jesus Christ and you don't see the fruit, have no fear. Do not be dismayed because God's word will never return void. Great, great song that I used to... It used to bring me the tears about this guy who goes up to heaven and he starts seeing all these people that he once ministered to, seeing all these people that he spoke to. And the the song... Every time I hear it, I well up and I bring tears. The song is called, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. They were saying to this guy, if you hadn't spoken to me about the Lord, I would not be here now. And he's seeing all these things. Anybody remember Edward Kimball? Nah, why would you? He was just a shoe salesman that worked in Chicago. He was just a shoe salesman that worked in Chicago, and he had an apprentice who was working for him. And every day, Edward Kimball, as he taught Sunday school class and worked with this shoe salesperson, he would preach the gospel message to him. He would tell him he needed to be born again, he needed to be saved, and he needed to have Jesus Christ as his Savior every day. And then one day, this poor man drug himself to church, this poor young man, and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. His name happened to be Dwight Moody. Yeah, one person one person. God's word doesn't come back void. It refuses to come back void. See, salvation is not up to us. It's up to what God wants it to be. We need to be confident that God's will is that all would be saved. And so when we preach God's word, let it do what it's supposed to do. Let it do what it is meant to do. What a find in Timothy. What a find that Paul found in Elisha. Had he not gone back to Elisha, he would not have found Timothy. There are six times in six different epistles that Paul refers to Timothy as his beloved son in the faith. Six times. When Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus, Paul writes him two letters, two letters that have been now canonized in our scriptures today. First Timothy and second Timothy, giving Timothy charge over the church. And we use it mightily in leadership meetings as how churches should be organized and how churches should be run. Listen to what Paul... Paul told the Philippian church about Timothy. Listen to the words that he writes in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 23. Listen to Paul's word. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that he is a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. He had no one like-minded but Timothy. Timothy was well-spoken of by the brethren, not only in Lystra, but in Iconium. See, it's so important for us to have a good testimony. It's so important for us to be a good witness of what we do. And as we do all things under the Lord, the Lord is risen, the Lord is shown, the Lord is glorified. And people recognize that and they realize that. Paul does something next that might have confused you when you first read it. Paul does something next that makes kind of we're good to talk about. Because Paul is taking Timothy along with him, he decides to take Timothy and circumcise him. Let's look at the verse 3. But Paul wanted to have him go on with him. That's Timothy. And he took him, Timothy, and he circumcised him because the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, are critics of the Bible will immediately stand up and go, Paul, hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. I mean, isn't what that what the Jerusalem Council was all about? Wasn't Jerusalem Council all about not having circumcision for salvation? And here, Paul takes Timothy. He takes him out and he circumcised him. Wait a minute. Contradiction. I'm going home. That's it. No. No. Paul is correctly using the Word of God. John Corson asked this question Why would Paul, the champion of liberty and grace, place Timothy under a ritualistic burden? We must understand that Paul was not compromising theology here, but he was conforming to a higher priority of love. He was conforming to a higher priority of love. Paul was applying God's word correctly. He was firm about his doctrine, but he yielded to the love of God and to the love of his fellow man. Listen, the decision of the Jerusalem council was that men did not have to be circumcised to be saved. Timothy had already gotten salvation. Timothy was already saved. In fact, if you read Galatians 2, verses 1 to 5, the Judaizers wanted to circumcise Titus, but they did not. He could not. They wouldn't be allowed. Titus was a Greek. He was a Gentile. Timothy was a Jew. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek. That made him a Jew. All the Jews were circumcised according to God's word. It was not only his covenant with them, but it was a distinction. That's what separated them from the other nations. This is important. They would meet Jews along the way. Everybody knew that Timothy was considered a Jew in order not to be a stumbling block to the Jews that they would meet. And they wanted to win these people for Christ and not to offend them. Paul circumcised them. It was not a matter of salvation. They didn't want to be a stumbling block. In Romans 14, verses 13 and 14, listen to what it says. Therefore, let us not judge anyone anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know, and am convinced by the Lord Jesus, there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything unclean, to him it's unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken as of evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yes, Paul's talking about dietary. Yes, he is. But the principle is still the same. And he clarifies that when we get to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 13 and 15. Paul clarifies the whole situation. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews, I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Remember on Wednesday night when we talked about being a servant to mankind, when we talked about servanthood? Paul says, I've made myself a servant to all men so that I might win some for Christ. I serve all men. This is applying the principles of God's word correctly. He's denying himself. He's picking up his cross. He's following Christ. Are you willing to give up your rights that you don't cause someone to stumble? Are you like Timothy, willing to give up your liberty for the sake of love? Wow. What are you willing to do So that people would be drawn to Christ? What are you willing to do so that people might see Christ in you? What are you willing to give up? Lord said, Deny yourself. Deny self. This is what happens when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to be your guide. When you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you into the truth of Jesus Christ, there's no fear in the Lord. There's no fear when you're following the Holy Spirit. Look what happens when God's word is correctly applied. Look what happens in the next scriptures in four and five. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. What are the results of correctly applying God's word? Your lives are changed. People see that life and they are drawn to Christ. They are drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what happens. People are strengthened. The dream team of Paul, Silas, and now includes Timothy. They went around to all the cities. A member of the Jerusalem decree? They took that with them. They took that with them as evidence of God's grace, as evidence of what the Lord was doing. Delivering freedom in Jesus Christ. Freedom from the yoke of the law. They went through town to town to town, preaching the grace of God. The Holy Spirit was moving in a mighty way. Many were being saved. And all this was established by faith, not programs. It was all established by faith, by the word of God, not by programs, by the word of God. This is one thing we believe highly in Calvary Chapel, that we teach the word of God. The programs will come later, but the priority is the word of God. That's where our priority is. But we get so easily off track. We get so easily mired in the muck. We get so easily drawn away. Paul saw this in the church of Galatia. And he writes these beautiful words in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified? This only I want you to learn. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you're now trying to make perfect in the flesh? We slip so easily. We slip so easily because all of a sudden we think, I have something to do with it. We place God on the back burner. We place the Word of God on the back burner. It becomes something on the shelf that we admire, like the one on my coffee table at my mother's house. We admire it. Oh, look at our wonderful Bible. We admire it. Heaven forbid we open it. What happens when you read the Word of God? You take notice of what's being said. Do you glean from it the treasures, the nuggets that are in there? Or do you just carry the book with you because it's something you do on Sunday? Carry it on Sunday. It's like a hymnal. Carry it in the church, and then when church is over, well, I'm doing that for a week. <clears throat> I have a friend of mine who's a pastor. He won't even put his word of God on the floor. He won't even put it on the floor. I'm not making a dogma statement here. I'm just telling you what he thinks. He won't even put it on the floor. Let me leave you with this. From time to time, you read in a paper about how some guy going out, going garage-sailing, going flea marketing, you know. They buy this old picture or old painting, and they take it home. They pay 25 cents for it, and they take it home, and they're sitting there, and I'm going to reframe this thing. So as they take it out, thinking about the guy in Philadelphia a few years ago, took out the painting or took out the one picture and out-dropped this thing, and he picked it up. It was an original copy of the Declaration of Independence, which promptly fetched $4 million dollars. What's my point? This is not just something that is bound, has a frame. This is something of value. And when you look inside, When you look inside and you start to glean from it the words that are written here and you start allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work in your heart and you start to draw from it a way to live your life, what to believe, how to act, how to work, how to play, how to love your neighbor, how to love God, all these things, you become enriched in your life and your life becomes better. I'm not saying you're going to be free from problems. I already talked about that earlier. You won't be free from problems but you'll have a way to get through the problems. You'll have a way to stand strong in the problems because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's going to make me lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead me beside the still waters. He's going to restore my soul. It's Him that's going to do it. And I'm not going to be afraid because I know what He has a plan that's going to work out in my life regardless of what it looks like. And if I fail, I'm going to be face-to-face with Him one day. And I know that because in here it tells me that. Don't just leave it on the shelf. Don't just leave it lying there. Open it up. Try to find out the Declaration of Independence that's in here. Worth more than $4 million. Worth more than all the gold you could ever amass or imagine. Is what's in these words right here. It's the word of God. And when you correctly apply it to your life, things change. Things happen. God is glorified. We all want our nation to change. I'm sure every one of you in here wants our nation to go back to the roots, go back to the Christian nation it was going, it was once was. No, oh, it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with each person here individually. It starts with us. And it starts by getting back to the word of God, the true living oracles that God has given us. Start reading the Word of God. Interpret it and apply it correctly to your lives and watch what happens. Watch what happens to you. Watch what happens to your family. Watch what happens to your neighbors. Watch what happens to your church. Apply the Word of God correctly in your life and be changed. You are sure.
0: Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on Assure Hope.